evidence and answers. Many people look to astrology for signs and meaning to their lives. Can astrologers foretell a person's future? Do the stars foretell of events to come? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In this episode of Evidence and Answers, Pat will be interviewing former astrologer Marsha Montenegro as she unveils the truth about astrology and how she found her true star. Um, yeah, when I first heard about them, I thought it was that way. I, I was in a psychic development class, and the teacher said, you know, I'm going to go around and tell you, I, I, if I can see your spirit guide or guides, I'll tell you who the guide is or the guides are. And this actually happened in a, in a couple of those classes with different teachers. But my, you know, they would tell me things, but I didn't really have a sense. I didn't have a personal encounter with them at that time. But, well, actually, I'd taken a class called Inner Light Consciousness. That actually came first. So I did, I had had an encounter. I'm sorry, I got mixed up there. But when they were coming around talking to me about the spirit guides, some of the ones they described, and I wasn't sure whether those were really my spirit guides or not. But I did have a very much of an encounter in this class where we did a guided meditation every evening. And, and it was a week-long class. And at the end of the week, the teacher told us that that evening at the end of the guided meditation, he would ask us to do something different. And, you know, if we followed along with him as he guided us through it, we would meet our spiritual master. Now, that's what he called called the spirit guide. And he said that our spiritual master would be with us the rest of our lives and that we could communicate with a spiritual master through this meditation, but eventually we wouldn't, we wouldn't need the meditation and we could just communicate directly. So we were all very excited and we went through the meditation and at the end he added on this part where we, you know, crossed a bridge and, you know, there were more details there, but then you look up and you see your spirit guide. And so I did see somebody and this particular person I would later see in dreams and he would talk to me in the dreams. Now I never, I didn't know his name. I never tried to find out his name. Oh, many people know the names of their spirit guides or have a lot of dialogue with them. I didn't, but I very strongly felt his presence. I mean, this would be just a day to day thing. I would feel that he was with me and I felt that he was protecting me. It's really kind of like a guardian angel in a sense. I didn't, I didn't think of him as a guardian angel, but it's very similar to the way a lot of people think of a guardian angel. So, you know, he was a spirit being that was with me and protecting me and guiding me and giving me spiritual wisdom. I always felt he was helping me when I was doing my astrological interpretations. It's very common. Psychics, mediums, astrologers, anybody involved in the New Age and the occult have spirit guides. Sometimes people get spirit guides through a deliberate effort like the guided meditations that I went through, but it can also happen spontaneously. It can happen doing Eastern forms of meditation because you, you're opening your mind to that influence. It can happen in guided visualizations and guided imagery exercises, which is why I warn about those. They're really forms of hypnosis. And this will actually open people's minds. And some people, I have talked to people who have met their spirit guides this way, although they didn't realize that it was a spirit guide. 
they just thought it was like this friend and they would have different ideas. Like maybe they thought it was an angel or a guardian angel. And people may think they're communicating with a dead person as well. And the dead person's really also a fallen angel. Some of the books by the very well-known mediums like uh, John Edward and Sylvia Brown and James Van Prague, who are all bestsellers, all their books are bestsellers. In their books, they will actually tell you sometimes at the end of the book how to contact your spirit guide. And they're very open about them. Sylvia Brown, who died a few years ago, was probably one of the most famous mediums, would openly talk about her spirit guide. I mean, she called her Francine. She actually encountered her when she was eight years old. She called her Francine, and she said that uh, something like 95% of her knowledge of the other side, which is the quote-unquote spirit world or world of the dead, came from Francine. Hmm. Which, of course, doesn't surprise me at all, because (laughs) this would be a fallen angel who's giving all this false information to Celia Brown, who's passing it on and who totally believes it. Of course, these fallen angels are in rebellion against God, and everything they say is going to be something to make you doubt the truth, doubt Jesus Christ, or something just blatantly that's that's a lie. And it's extremely dangerous. And, and, you know, I think most people are aware of channeled books, books that are channeled, where people sit down and they kind of, it's almost like an automatic writing, and they just get these messages in their heads and write the books. The information is coming from fallen angels. So there's a real influence of these spirit guides in the New Age and the occult and on a lot of books. I mean, a lot of them, Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, A Course in Miracles, supposedly channeled from Jesus. In fact, Marianne Williamson, who's a very famous New Ager, wrote a book called The Return to Love based on A Course in Miracles, which became a bestseller, just announced last night that she's running for president in the United States. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She had already said she was thinking about it, I think, Hmm. last year or the year before, but she made an official announcement last night that she's running for president, and she talks about God in, 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 in her speech. I mean, she'll refer to God. So I think a lot of people are going to see that as a good thing, and, and some may even think she's a Christian, but she's not. And she's based, her whole philosophy and worldview is based on A Course in Miracles, which is a channeled book. Yeah, wow. so there's a big impact there from that. Yes, you know, in Hinduism and Buddhism and others, you know, I came out of Buddhism. These spirit guides are, you know, ascended masters who have delayed their entrance into union with Brahma or into Nirvana. They've delayed it to help us mortals, you know, in our spiritual journey, you know, kind of like the Force, Star Wars, the Jedi, Obi-Wan and Yoda have delayed their entrance into the Force to guide the young Luke Skywalker in his journey to become the master Jedi. And it looks pretty cool. These guys are out for your best and they're there to develop you spiritually. And it kind of looks cool in these Hollywood movies. It does. And Star Wars, I mean, George Lucas was very much or is very much a follower of Eastern belief systems. And when I saw the first three movies, I I was into the New Age and I recognized all these views that were Taoist and Buddhist and New Age. And I was like very excited because, I mean, Yoda was kind of like a little 
combination of a Zen master and a sorcerer. And I thought, I thought you know, this is really cool because these movies are so popular and they have all these ideas in them that are really not very, you know, they aren't quote-unquote American, you know, they aren't from the Judeo-Christian culture. And then later, after I became a Christian, I saw some of the later movies, which actually I wrote articles, some articles on, and I, I reckon I still could see the ideas there. And and you're right, and the, the delay in your entrance, the bodhisattvas in Buddhism who, the enlightened beings who delay their entrance to help out other people on the path and in the new age it's very similar to the spirit guides who are there to help you you know that famous saying when the student is ready the teacher appears you know i heard that in the new age all the time it's really these ideas are there and they're very popular in entertain in the world of entertainment Yes. Now, you were entrenched here in astrology and New Age and the occult. And well, what caused you to seek Jesus all of a sudden? Yes. Well, you know, I wasn't really seeking him at all. I, <laughs> I was somewhat intrigued by Jesus after I saw, I mean, I, he was really not a big part of my belief system. I, I thought he was sort of this enlightened spiritual master, but I wasn't, I did have a Bible and I would, I would use it to get, I'd get quotes from it and put a new age meaning into the quotes. When I wrote, I wrote for an astrological new age magazine. I actually wrote for a few, but there was one I wrote for every month for over three years. And I did a, a series of articles called The Children of Pisces because it was about the end of the age of Pisces as we move into the age of Aquarius. I, I was very intrigued by that whole process and what that meant as an astrologer. And so Jesus supposedly was the avatar of the age of Pisces. He supposedly ushered in the age of Pisces. And so with that in mind, I wrote these articles about that and used some quotes from the Bible to try to show, you know, Jesus is the avatar of Pisces and how we were moving from Pisces into Aquarius. So that's how I saw Jesus. And oddly enough, after I saw a movie called The Last Temptation, which actually is uh, not a movie that gives a Christian view of Jesus, (laughs) but the movie, and I went to it because Christians were protesting it. And that made me want to see it. I was very, uh, I was very hostile to Christians, and so I thought, well, if they don't like this movie, then I want to see it. So I went and saw it, and actually, it kind of made Jesus more intriguing to me. And I was very, very taken with the movie. Now that was at least two years before I left the New Age, but and I don't know that it had any influence, but I do remember that had an impact on me then. What happened is, is that I had been president of the Astrological Society. Actually, I was still president. And I started getting this compulsion to go to a church just out of nowhere. And I didn't know where where it was coming from or why I should go to a church. And I sort of ignored it and it wouldn't go away. And it continued. It started like around April and it continued into the summer. In August, I went to an astrological conference in Oregon, and a few strange things there happened. Like, like they're just really odd things that happened, and I didn't understand, and I, I went back to Atlanta, which is where I was living. Now, my term as president had ended in June, and now it's September, and this compulsion was still there, and I thought, well, this is probably from a previous life when I was a Christian in a previous life. 
So <laughs> I thought maybe I have some unfinished business from a from a previous Christian life, so maybe I'll find a church and go. So on Labor Day weekend, I went to this very large church downtown Atlanta. I sat in the back on the edge of the pew because my plan was to leave after about 15 or 20 minutes of the service. That was my plan. So the service started and they played music and everyone stood up and they had a procession from the back of the church. And there was a young boy carrying a cross at the head of the procession. And as he walked by me, this incredible thing happened. I felt this love falling on me. I call it a waterfall of love. It was very, very real. And I knew it was coming from a personal God who was telling me he loved me. But the thing is, I didn't really, I didn't believe in a personal God. I believe God was this, was an energy. And so um, I was a little, I was confused, <laughs> but I knew it was real. And I just kind of stood there and, and cried. And I ended up staying for the whole service. And then I went back the following Sunday I didn't understand at all what this meant or what was going on. Within a few weeks, I had this impression that astrology was was bad. And again, I tried to ignore that. And that became an impression from from this God that I felt had somehow communicated with me the first time I went in that church. I had this impression God wanted me to give astrology up. And this was very extreme to me because, of course, I had been a professional astrologer for several years and I was kind of known. I I actually, you know, and I was writing for these magazines and I actually had people from other places outside where I lived and even a few countries write me and ask me to do their chart. And I would get their data and I'd record their chart on a tape and mail them the tape. So I did these long distance readings as well. And so to give all that up, when that was my identity, and I had all these business cards, you know, Marsh Montenegro, a professional licensed culture on them, you know, it's like, what? I'm, you know, what? Give that up. And I thought, that's just, you know, no, I can't do that. But this was so strong. It was so, it was like this insistent, you know, I don't want to say voice, because I didn't hear a voice. I didn't hear any words, but it was as though God was saying you have to give this up for me. You have to give this up. And so I finally decided I had to. And I actually gave, made the decision to do it the night before Thanksgiving. And I'm leaving a lot of stuff out, by the way. <laughs> a lot of strange things that happened along the way. But uh, then I didn't really know what I was going to do. Um, and I thought, well, since I'm going to a church, I guess I'll read the Bible. And I started reading the Bible. I started with the New Testament because I didn't want to read the Old Testament, and I'm sort of an organized kind of compulsive person, so I thought I would start with Matthew, because it was the first book of the New Testament, and I would start right at the very beginning, and I did, and I started reading a little bit of Matthew every evening, not really understanding. You know, I understood it, but I didn't understand the import of it, but I was reading it, but there was something about the words I don't know. The way I I felt at the time, the only way I could think of it was that the words were very pure. I felt like the words were pure. There was something real pure about the words that I had never come across before. And I continued reading and I got to chapter eight and I got to the account of Jesus 
on the boat with his disciples in the storm and he's asleep and they're they're scared and they wake him up and he rebukes the sea and the wind and then he says to them you know where where is your faith because they still haven't really understood who he is that story was very compelling to me it's like it, it kind of grabbed me and i kept reading I, re- I reread it several times and as i was rereading it god just removed the blinders i mean it was like all of a sudden it was day i saw who jesus was i realized why he had died on the cross, I realized I was separated from God and that the only way to be reconciled was through Jesus and that I needed him as my savior. And so I just turned my life over to him. That all happened like in probably a matter of a few seconds, but it seems longer, you know, when I think about what my thought process was. And I knew also that I was a different person. I was very aware that I was a different person. And so, you know, I didn't really know what to do. I didn't have the words for it. I didn't have anyone to talk to because that church I'd been going to was very, very open-minded towards towards a lot of different things. And actually later when I told a few people I'd given astrology up, they, they were like, why? Why did you give it up? You know, I had actually given my business card to some people there. Mm. I didn't really have anyone who understood Now, my sister had come to faith in Christ about a month or two earlier, and she was the only one I could really talk to, but she was such a new believer. I mean, neither neither one of us knew very much. We didn't know anything. (laughs) And so it was kind of a strange time, but I I was definitely saved. That was a few days before Christmas that that happened. And later, Mm -hmm. I found out somebody had been praying for me, someone at a place where I was working part-time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, coming out of the occult is not an easy thing. And what are some of the struggles that you faced as a new believer in Christ? Well, I guess I lost all my friends, pretty much. There were two people who still, one of my astrological clients, and well, actually, both of them were astrological clients, still were still friends, quote-unquote, but I wasn't doing their charts anymore. And I wasn't really good friends with them. It's just that they stayed in touch with me. I pretty much lost all my friends because I didn't have anything in common with them anymore. What I had in common with a lot of them was astrology and our new age belief system. You know, I had a couple of very good friends and when we got together, we talked new age stuff and we talked from this new age worldview. And so you can't do that anymore when you're a Christian. People didn't understand why I had left astrology. People at the Astrological Society didn't understand. I was supposed to teach a class. I had to resign from that. And I guess my struggles mainly were that my life completely changed so quickly. And and I was not, I was not young. I was a single mother. I had a nine-year-old son. And the job where I'd been working, actually, I had been hired by a man one of the clients, he wanted me to give him astrological advice on the employees. And that's why I was working at the at that job part-time. And so I had to tell him, and he just, he was very nice though, and he said, well, I'll just give you other work. And I was able to stay on there for a few more months. And that was the office where there was a Christian man who I found out in April of the following year had been praying for me with a young adult group at his church. So that was when I found that out. <laughs> and they've been praying for me all that year when all those things happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess it was just the, it was, everything was so new. 
and I didn't have really much Bible knowledge, but, but God gave me a lot of discernment on things because I was, I encountered a lot of bad teachings the first year I was a Christian, all kinds of heretical teachings <laughs> and, and, and really, I mean, I just seemed to encounter all of them. I encountered universalism. I encountered the word of faith heresy. I encountered annihilationists. I encountered, I, I, I just encountered all of these views that are not part of the historic faith or are outright heretical. And I knew they were wrong. I guess the hardest thing for me was that I was kind of lonely because I didn't have my friends anymore. And being a single mother is hard. And so you're, you're struggling along and you're alone. And I had to leave that church. I eventually left that church, and I went found another church. Now, the good thing about the other church, because there were problems there as well, is that I met my first real Christian friends there who had been in the New Age and had been in Scientology as well. And uh, they totally understood me. We had an instant rapport, and I was really able to talk to them, and so... That was wonderful. Meeting them was really a good good thing and really helped me. And then I ended up, my son and I ended up leaving Atlanta and moving up to the Washington, D.C. area because my parents were living here at the time, and I lost my job down there. So I moved up here with my son and then had to look for a church. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess, I guess there, in a way it was hard, and in a way, you know, I can see where God really took care of me and watched over me because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just really clueless. Well, Marcia, you know, as we bring this uh, show to a close here, what would you say to someone that is dabbling in the occult and in astrology and in the new age or someone that is involved in the new age or the occult? What would you say to them? I would say that this area you are intrigued by has a very intriguing glittery side, but it, it has a very dark underside. And it will pull you down into this bottomless hole where you won't ever get any answers. And you'll always be searching for answers when all you have to do is see that the answer is not something for you to understand or know, but it's a person, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. And Jesus, who lived a perfect life and died to pay the penalty for your sins, is the truth. And none of these things that you are intrigued by are going to get you to the real Jesus. And so to get to the real Jesus, you need to turn from those and look to him. You've been listening to our interview with Marcia Montenegro, former New Age astrologist, now a leader of a ministry called Cana, Christian Answers for the New Age. And Marcia, it's been a great interview. And if people want more information on you and the ministry that you have, where can they find more information? Well, I have a website, Christian Answers for the New Age. Org. I'm also on Facebook. I have a ministry page there called Christian Answers for the New Age that's very easy to find on Facebook in the search box. And I post a lot of, I keep current with New Age and occult things going on in the culture that people should be informed of and be warned about. And I also reach out to people in the New Age and the occult there and on my website to dialogue with them and share Christ with them. So those are ways they can 
find me. Yes, and also check out Marsha's book, Spellbound, The Paranormal Seduction of Today's Kids. Fantastic book in teaching us and helping us be aware of the influence of these kinds of ideas that bombard our children and young people every day. Well, Marsha, thanks for being with us here on Evidence and Answers. Thank you again for having me. I really enjoyed it, Patrick. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with your friends. Evidence and Answers is grateful for our key sponsor, Highland Capital Management, providing investors with alternative investment solutions. To learn more, visit them online at hcmlp.com. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.